Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. And on that note, we are coming back. We're back, baby. Uh, hey, everybody. This is Reed, ready to record the first spring 2021 installment of the Weekly Wednesday podcast series. Uh, it's my turn to answer some questions that you have submitted via Google Forms, but I really was too scared to just sit in this room by myself answering questions about myself. It is intimidating. I won't lie. Uh, so I asked Mayor if she would be the moderator this time. And so here I am. the questions that you all have turned in, uh, Mayor is going to randomly select. At least I think it's going to be random. I don't know. She can curate. She can random. I don't really care. Uh, she's going to ask me some questions, and I'm going to try to answer them. And just as a disclaimer right off the bat, uh, I doubt we'll get to all of them. And so if you submitted a question that I end up not answering and you really want to know the answer to it, then reach out, send me a text message or an email. And I would love to talk about any of these questions. Where can they find your contact information, Reed? On the CCF website, Mayor. There it is. CCFTruman.org. Now you have no excuses. Can't find me on socials. Because I'm not there. there. He ain't They're there. all gone. Bye. If you have my phone number, you can text me or get my email on the website. And I'm ready to go. Oh, ask, we're going? I, is there anything else I should say? Should I introduce um, myself? I, people know me. No, and I think you'll introduce yourself via these questions anyways. Um, but yeah, in case it wasn't clear, we're not doing a Q&A themed semester. We're just having a, a couple here and there. But we just thought that uh, we'd start, start us off strong, you know? All the young staff people went last semester, and we now did. it's and then the they got old, jealous. Then the all the dads peoples. got jealous, and so now they want to do it too. Okay, <laughs> so the first question I really like this one. Okay. It says, "What is the best part of being read, and what is the worst part of being read?" Um, there are also other questions, but these are the two that I selected from the five that this person submitted. Wow, uh, the best part of being read. Um, I don't know. I mean, being Reed is a, is a gift, just like I'm sure being mayor is a gift and being anyone, being a person is a gift. Um, I get to be married to Leanne. If you're Reed, you're married to Leanne, which means you have a constant influx of amazing storytelling. Uh, you have a person who, uh, is, who, who kind of gets life and is like willing to work with you and put up with your weird brain. Um, you also get to be a father to Briggs and Jack and Graham, which is great and also provides for hilarious stories. It's also totally exhausting. Um, you get to work with great people at CCF, uh, including Mayor. <laughs> you don't have to include me in the answer just because I'm here. Excluding Mayor. <laughs> Uh, great people at CCF. It's it's wonderful. Uh, your other soulmate is Derek, if you are Reed. Um, the worst part of being Reed is, I don't know, people misunderstanding you, like thinking you're hard to read, or that you're like intimidating when you really don't want to be intimidating, uh, or that you're like, I don't know, m like mad at them or something, and I'm really not. 
really not mad at you people and I really don't want to intimidate you. I want to be your friend. That's really what my role is here is professional friend. Um, and also the worst part about being Reed is that growing up, whenever you would tell somebody your name, they would say, what? Weed? Your name is Weed? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hope everybody has that same reaction. Or That's when so you're in, sad. or when you're in like the second grade or third grade, and you're at the new school halfway through the year, and the teacher's like, "Read, read," <laughs> and then all the kids laugh at you. And you're like, "It's not that funny. I've heard a hundred times." And also, my heart is hurting. Yeah, that's rude. Okay. Um, speaking of being read, mm. um, Gretchen asks, "Why do you hate smiling in photos, and what changed that?" I love that question, Gretchen. Um, it is slightly misguided. I oh. never hated smiling for photos. It was just that I couldn't smile for photos. I see. I, this is not a lie. I was incapable of having a genuine looking smile in a photograph until I was 30 years old. <laughs> uh, and I mean, all growing up as a kid, my mom would be like, smile for the picture. And then I would just like kind of like I would just kind of teeth. show my teeth <laughs> and my mom would be no, like, nope, that's not a it smile. And I'd be like, I don't know what a smile is then. Uh, and I don't know when, it, when we were taking our engagement photos in Mexico in 2005, the photographer, bless his heart, tried to bear with me. And then eventually he's like, you know, Reed, I think your strength is your profile. So we're going to shoot you from the side and you can just look at Leanne and Leanne, you've got a great smile. You just go ahead and keep smiling for the camera. And I felt, I felt the shade <laughs> and then God helped me because the man went to take our picture and he knelt down like one knee to the ground and he put his dress slacks in a big pile of dog poop. <laughs> So take that. Oh, that's good. Um, that got me to smile, but he wasn't ready to take the picture because hmm. of the dog poop. Um, and then I don't know. I, I really don't know, Gretchen, what clicked when I was 30. I just somehow was able to start smiling. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think I learned to smile with my eyes and not just my mouth. Yeah. My teeth. Um, uh, all right. We're going we're gonna to stay on the family train for a while. We're going to answer all the family questions. Okay. Um, so one question that someone asked is, what is your favorite thing to do with each of your sons, like separately? Oh, okay. All right. Um, Briggs. Activity is what it says, technically. Activity. I love activitying with my kids. Um, Briggs is my, like, board game buddy. We love playing games at home. Um, <laughs> also, I guess arguing is my favorite activity with Briggs because we do that a lot. Is it your favorite, though? It's or really is not. it just a frequent activity? It's a frequent activity, but I don't hate it. Um, he can get pretty lawyer-rific. Uh, but I love playing games with Briggs. Um, I love reading to Jack. Uh, I love reading out loud to all my boys, but Jack is like the most enthusiastic listener. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he just really appreciates it. Um, and then with Graham, the youngest, uh, he is, I mean, he's just like... He's my snuggle buddy. Like every morning comes down and he's like, dad, will you just snuggle with me? Mm. And so we have our little snuggle time. Uh, also Lego. Mm. Oh, but maybe even uh, Graham, we like to do a lot of things. Cooking. He loves being in the kitchen. Mm. He'll put on his little apron and climb up on his stool. And he's also kind of a genius. Like he, he gets it. 
Uh, so cooking with Graham is also really fun. Sorry, Jack and Briggs. Graham got three activities and you each only got one. <laughs> That's part of being the youngest, which I know because I was I'm also the babe. And so are you. I am. I don't know if I relate in that way, though. Like being spoiled by your parents? Or? Not at all. Oh, sorry. Well, before Speaking this of your gets, parents, though. Yes. I have another question. I've got I've got several parents. You. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that. Yeah. Okay, so someone asked, um, they said that you have been open about your relationship with your dad. Mm. Um, and they were wondering how this has affected your relationship with your dad. How has mm. it affected the way that you interact with God as like your heavenly father uh, and then also what would you offer to people who also don't have the greatest relationships with the father or male figures in their life mm. and how that relates to your relationship with christ okay so just a light-hearted easy question Sorry, just here like a, yeah no that's that's great um i want to say that well i want to answer the second question the last okay. question first yeah to people who have had difficult father issues. And that is to say, um, yeah, that's hard. Um, but also to say that things are redeemable. Mm -hmm. um, that like, actually I was, I've told people more recently, probably the last eight months has been like the best th that yeah. things I've ever been with my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, so things can, they can change. Right. Uh, and change can be a long con, right? So like, Forgiveness, it only takes one to forgive. It just takes me deciding that I'm going to forgive. Um, but it takes it takes two to reconcile. Yeah, uh, and that true. reconciliation, like forgiveness can be a long and hard process. Um, th but it, it sort of, there is a moment where forgiveness kind of like happens and then you decide to keep living in that moment of forgiveness, right? right. Reconciliation is like a much I feel like longer and harder to like define when are we reconciled yeah. sort of process I mean so for those who are wondering if that can happen or will happen uh I would say like you know for me the reconciliation process with my own dad is I don't know 18 years in the making like yeah. since I left home basically but it's it's going good it can go well um and when it comes to how that affects things with God. I guess just, well, for me personally, I never felt like jaded about God because things with my dad were hard. Um, I never like, uh, sort of projected the difficulty of things with my dad or just the way that he was. I didn't project that onto God mm. and be like, well, you must be bad too. Cause you're a father. That's interesting. Um, it is, uh, I don't know, I, seeing God as father and trusting the goodness of that can be redemptive for the notion of yeah. dads and fathers. I mean, obviously, yes, people are flawed. And uh, there are also many other ways of thinking about God besides father mm -hmm. uh, in the Bible. You know, yeah. lots of other metaphors, images, roles that God can play. Uh, and so if father is really difficult for you when it comes to God, I would say you can set that aside. Uh and if it's easier for you to like understand or like engage with the goodness of God by thinking about some of the other metaphors that we have for God in the scriptures, uh, then I would say focus on those. Let for the sure. father thing happen when it's time. Um, the yeah, father thing. yeah, yeah. The father thing. The father thing. <laughs> Um, and then this person also said just an easy question with that. Um, how do you feel about watching subtitles while you're watching movies? 
Um, or having subtitles on. If the movie is in English, I think that's an atrocity. I think <gasps> that is... Atrocity, you heard that it is a, to, my, to use my mom's word, that's appalling. That's a good word. Um, but if it's a foreign language film, I'm way more subbed than dubbed. Like, okay. absolutely would rather hear the original language and read the subtitles. I'm all about that. All right. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Dubbed movies, that's dumb. I'll say it. Dumb. <laughs> um, this is another sort of saying in the family vein. Um, okay. So your wife, yes. Leanne. Yes. Um, what is your favorite meal to cook with her? What do you like to do together? Uh, what we, do you like to cook together? What do we like to cook together? Uh, we cook together a lot. Um, we are very just fortunate that our schedules work where almost every night of the week we get to cook together. Oh, that's really nice. I know. I don't take it for granted. Hear yes, me, you, you people not. who are, well, college students probably mostly aren't, but anybody else who's like, ah, you, I want to, you're so, I know how lucky I am. Okay. I get that. <laughs> um, I actually, I saw this question last night in the forum and I asked Leanne and she was like, well, making pizza together is great. Mm-hmm. Um, we sort of have our duties. I don't like to touch the dough. That's her thing. <laughs> I do like the sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, definitely the thing I like to have you read cook for me is fajitas. Fajitas are kind of my thing. Like I got a marinade that I do. Yeah, They're I pretty like You yummy. talk about fajitas a lot. We do like it that's your almost go-to. once a week. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of my yeah. go-to. So yeah. Okay. Cool. But we always have a good time cooking. It's like our way to kind of unwind, uh, after work and we talk while we, while we cook and it's, and it's always really fun. Mm. Okay. Um, to kind of transition into more CCF related questions. Okay. Um, but before I do know we about CCF there, for, I have been here for some time now. Well, there aren't, honestly, there aren't a lot of CCF specific questions, which oh, honestly, good. I think that's is, a relief because I was lying. I don't know anything about, CCF. but I also think that's a good thing because it's not about CCF. It's about you. Yeah. CCF just um, back off. So specifically Kirksville, Kirksville, if you had not ended up here in mm. Kirksville, where mm-hmm. do you think that you would be right now? Um, I think I, I mean, we were talking about moving to either Columbia or Kansas city, Really, like probably staying Midwestern. Okay. Families are in Kansas city or they were at the time. Friends were in Kansas city or Columbia. Keith Bradley, one of the most powerful people in Kansas city. Keith Bradley, who is one of the 50 most powerful people in Kansas city. I don't know you Keith Bradley, but he says that like every day. Keith's not listening to this. <laughs> okay, He's too busy mind. being one of the 50 most powerful <laughs> people in Kansas city. He owns one of the owners of made in KC, Thomas McIntyre, also another CCF alum is one Keep of the name other drop owners. It. Let's go. Uh, who knows? Maybe I would be working for made in KC <laughs> uh, with my friends. Yeah. I, I really don't know. Um, but I'm it's just simple geographic location. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess Kansas City. That's the most likely. That's where I grew up. That feels right. Probably would have returned there. Yeah, feels right. And would have enjoyed it. Kansas City used to be lame when I was in high school, and mm-hmm. now it's super cool. All right. Um, good answer. Okay, so Go tell, us, tell us about your sabbatical experience. What are like a couple highlights that you can think of? What was your sabbatical? Define it for the viewers, the um, listeners, I should say. So every five years, uh, CCF staff people get a summer sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you just get the summer off and CCF gives you some money to do things that are restful and relaxing uh, and rejuvenating. Uh, The big thing for us was Leanne and I went to Spain with Derek and Taylor Franklin, Ah, shout out, and also Leanne's cousin, Georgianne, and her husband, John, who were living over there at the time. 
so we went and we walked across Spain for like six days uh, on the Camino de Santiago, just known as the Camino. Um, and it was, I, it was fantastic. I mean, it was Spanish countryside. It was, you kind of walk through the countryside and you'd end up in a little town mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And, you know, we'd stay like in places where they would serve us dinner, like a home cooked dinner. Have you seen the movie about the, the guys like journey on the Camino? Was I have not, the way? but actually Tyler, your boo told yeah. me I should watch it. And somebody else had told me we watched uh, it together. What did you think? And I thought, I thought of you guys the whole time. Okay. Um, it was good. The movie itself, it, it felt very low budget. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It was just like not a super like high definition kind of situation. Mm -hmm. It felt very like, oh, he put a camera on a tripod right there and we walked towards mm -hmm. it. But the story itself was very good. Can and I it, just the scenery is beautiful, obviously. Um, so I'm going to try to tell this story briefly. Uh, and if some questions have to get cut out because I went too long in the story, so be it. That's OK. We're going to cut some anyways. A defining, the defining moment of uh, the sabbatical and also one of the defining moments of my life happened. Mm. So you're walking toward Santiago de Compostela, which is uh, the city where the cathedral is right. to St. James. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's this huge cathedral. And uh, that's where your pilgrimage ends. And they have mass, like a worship service at the cathedral every single day because mm -hmm. there are hundreds of thousands of people who are walking this Camino every yeah. year. Uh, and we're movie. a day out. We've been walking for six days and we're a day out from uh, the cathedral when Leanne's cousin, Georgianne, is checking her phone. And she's like, oh, shoot. I'm like, that doesn't sound good. And she's like, uh, the cathedral is closed for renovations. Oh, no. So we're like, oh, this is like the main thing you're supposed to do. But, you know, it's Spain. And so there are cathedrals everywhere. Right. And like the little podunk church down the road is like a hundred times more beautiful than yeah, any building say, you would see podunk. in the United States. Right. <laughs> so there's another church where we're going to go and like participate in the worship. And uh, the difference, though, between this and the main one is the main one. They know pilgrims are coming. Everybody just brings their backpacks in. You sit on the floor with your backpack. You participate in the mass. This other church, they were not letting people bring their backpacks inside. <laughs> and so there's this huge line to get in. And as we get closer, we see that people are like either hopping out of line with their backpacks or they're just throwing their backpacks to the side, oh, like goodness. in this courtyard. Right. And so long story short, we're going to have to leave our backpacks outside. Mm -hmm. And uh, long story, slightly longer. I'm like kind of tired and fussy and I'm doing the whole very American thing where I'm like, these people want my stuff and I can't <laughs> trust these people. And so I'm like, I don't want to just leave my backpack out here. Right. It's got my dirty underwear and my deodorant, Someone you know, might want that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so everybody's like, well, we're going to go into the mass. And I was like, I'll just sit out here. And I tried to kind of play the martyr card, you mm. know, where I was like, I'll sacrifice, oh, just leave me. I'll sacrifice my experience <laughs> for the good of our backpacks. <laughs> and so I was and Leanne's cousin was like, I've done this before. I'll sit out here. And I was like, no, really, it's okay. This is my choice. And but really deep down, you're like, I am so angry. I'm, and I I'm just, just knew that I was being a butt, you mm -hmm. know, and One being kind of having a pity party. So you and had to like double down. She's, yeah. And so I double down. Yeah. And it's that awkward moment where you know you've gone over the cliff yep. and everybody's seeing you. Exactly. And I'm like, like no, really, it's fine. <laughs> and so John goes up to Georgia and he's like, babe, just leave him. <laughs> babe. So they go outside and I'm sitting outside, you know, sulking <laughs> and 
as the minutes go by, right, and the mass starts, mm-hmm. and I hear the voice from within, like the church, the actual voice, the the priest's voice, like in Latin, like summoning everybody to worship, and it's kind of like reverberating, like ghostly through the narthex out the front door, and I'm like, I should really go in there, but I'm like, it's too late now. I've already like doubled down on sitting out here <laughs> with my, my stuff, and I can't let people have my <laughs> stuff. And then th- I'm sitting there nursing a blister on my toe, and this couple walks down the stairs to the courtyard to go in, and they're also uh, peregrinos, they're pilgrims. And this girl who's, I don't know, they're probably in their 20s, she's got blonde dreadlocks and an Australian accent, and she sees me, and she has this huge smile on her face at the end of both of our journeys, and she just goes, congratulations. And then she walked in, and I was like, for what? I'm just sitting out here (laughs) with my freaking backpack, right? And sitting there, sitting there, knowing that I'm making a huge mistake, not going in, and... uh, then I imagine myself having to tell Derek about this story after we get back. And I'll be like, I walked the whole thing and then I didn't go to the mass Mm. because I thought somebody was going to steal my backpack. (laughs) And I just could see Derek's face and that was what was like, okay, get up and leave your stuff and go in. And so I went in and uh, my group, the Franklins and everybody, they're, they're, and Leanne, they're, they're standing toward the back. And I walk up and I just, I don't say anything. I just walk up. And John, major, like major in the army, like he's a, he's a military guy, right? Like kind of like he's all about objective, mission focused. Not, I mean, he's a really nice guy. Uh, not the most sentimental of types. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just like looks over at me, kind of like turns, instead of just turning his head, he like turns his whole torso to like face me, you know? And he just like reaches kind of a stiff arm out and like, pat pat on the shoulder (laughs) and then I knew we were good you know and we had the mass and actually while we were in there I started to hope that we were going to go back out and our backpacks would be stolen I was (laughs) like I hope it's just all gone you know anyway had this great moment uh but then had to fess up to everybody at dinner I was like I know that I was being a huge brat I'm really sorry and they were all really great about it and then we had an amazing rest of our trip wow yeah that's a good story thanks it was very embarrassing at the time. It was yeah, like, no. here Those are these people, are the worst. and they're seeing the worst of you. Yeah, but they were so wonderful to me. Yeah, you know. Hmm. Okay, that's that's when you know that they're they're true friends. Sabbatical highlight. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, seeing Derek's face in your brain, yeah, knowing it's always there. Um, Derek in your brain. Hmm. What is your earliest memory of him? Earliest memory of Derek. Derek James Rohr, before he was the third. I've known him quite a while. Um, There was a time before Derek was like a poet Mm -hmm. and uh, before he like went barefoot everywhere and before, I don't know, he's always been kind of insane though. I will say that. (laughs) Um, They, I, my earliest memory I don't remember exactly what it would have been. I do remember at the end of my freshman year asking him if he would disciple me. And so we must have had some interactions before that. Uh, And I emailed him. What? Did he say no? Sorry. No, no, no. He said, yeah, let's do it. And then he was like, over the summer, let's memorize this psalm. Mm. Like while we're both away from school. And so I, I don't think both of us memorized it. One of us may have. The one we who all know. Will we remain, all know who, who will remain nameless, <laughs> but who might be the one speaking at this moment. 
<laughs> but then when we got back, it's like, okay, let's read this book together. Read The Cost of Discipleship. And we were going to read chapter by chapter, week by week. And I show up the first week and I read the first chapter. And I think Derek read the first chapter. But then the second week, I read the second chapter and Derek's like, yeah, I didn't get to it, but I'll definitely catch up. And then the third week third chapter and he's still on the first and fourth and fifth and i don't know that he ever made it past the first chapter mm. um so you know derek is often a better late than never kind of person true in this case it might have been it might have been never though i don't think he ever finished really it. Yeah. ever yeah um yep I yep. also remember bawling on Derek's couch when Leanne tried to break up with me oh. and he just sat there with me and I'm sure it was like, this kid is being very melodramatic, but were you being melodramatic? Probably. Yeah. I mean, my girlfriend also had tried to break up with me. She did break up with me, but then we ended up together. So it was okay. Everybody breaks up sometimes, you know, <laughs> don't I know it? Oh, I know or it. Or multiple times. Oh, I know it. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So a couple of people asked you about children's books. If the listeners don't know, you have quite the affinity for children's books, would you say? Um, yeah, picture, picture books. books. Picture, picture books specifically. specifically. That's what I meant. Sorry. That's what I meant. More so than children's books. Yeah, not just children's books. At, um, although those are fine. Those are fine, too. And they often overlap. Um, so one of the questions is, um, if you could write one, what do you think you would want to write it about? I can write one. If you can't. If you were I capable of writing. write the greatest children's book <laughs> ever. Um, have you read B.J. Novak's children's book, though? I have. It's so good. It's very funny. Um, the wow. book with no pictures. Yeah, I read it to my nephew over yeah. Christmas break. He loved it. If you can get all into that, man, it's it's oh, a riot. You know, I committed. Um, what would it be about? I don't know. Um, I think two possible answers. One would be about two forgiveness. Oh, I thought you said two mm. possums. I'm sorry. Carry on. <laughs> two, two possibilities, possums. not possums. I would two not write about possums. I'm sorry. Um, forgiveness or i there's this thing i'm always telling people where like the truth of something isn't the same as the facts of something yeah uh, sometimes they overlap but mm -hmm. not always i think i would want to try to convey that somehow i, I mean would that's love to see how you could get a child to understand that yeah maybe maybe they're i think maybe they know it innately and they have to unlearn it yeah. as they become adults you mm. know hot take Hmm. Wait, like what? What would you say is like an example of that? Of them knowing the truth, but not the fact, or yeah. knowing, knowing that the, the truth is not the same as the facts always? Yeah. I don't know. Now you're putting me on the spot. Can we come back to that yeah, one? Yeah, we can come back. Okay. We can just talk about it later, too. Yeah, let's just talk about it sometime when we're not recording. All right, cool. We don't want that. We don't Definitely want not. That on the air. <laughs> um, and then Alice Gerke asked two very important questions. <laughs> I guess. You get to, in a direct quote, you choose which question you want to answer. Dealer's choice, baby. First question. Can you do a, a Squatch call for the podcast? Or second question. What is your favorite children's book? And why is the Berenstein Bears? And why is it the Berenstein Bears and the Golden Rule? Um, I would never embarrass myself by trying to do a Squatch call here. I, can, I can't approach that. I can't do that. My voice doesn't do like high pitchy kinds of things. Like I can't. It doesn't do that. Um... Think that's I'm true. a really bad screamer. True? I can yell. Oh, I can't scream. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your Gerky is provoking me with the second question, um, because here's the thing about Berenstain Bears post 1988. Okay. Uh, is that well? No, even into the early 90s, it was okay. Once Stan and Jan were gone, and uh, Jan Levinson, cool. Jan Levinson, and their kids, Mike and whoever took over. I'm sorry, no disrespect. Um, 
the Berenstain Bears just turned into utter garbage. Yeah. Uh, they just started being a bunch of like moralizing, like just they're overly didactic, meaning they they are trying to teach you too much, like just tell you the lesson. It's horrible. Uh, whereas old school Berenstain Bears, like you would learn a lesson, but it was sort of like, you know, naturally through mm-hmm. like the flow of the story. Mm-hmm. Also, like the Berenstain Bears used to be watercolor and they were beautiful and there were like settings. Mm-hmm. And in all the new Berenstain Bears, it's like, here's brother and sister and they're just like surrounded by a pink oval mm-hmm. and they're just talking and there's no setting. There's no place. They are disembodied. The whole right. thing is anyway. Descended Sorry. Madness. Hot take on Berenstain Bears. But I've read quite a bit. It's Graham's favorite. Graham loves Bears and Bears. Gotcha. We only gotcha. read 80s and before. Gotcha. Kay. Okay. Um, there are a lot of questions on here that I actually think you address in your Hot Ones episode. So I'm going to go ahead and link that and say okay. there are some questions in here that if you would like to know the answers, go watch that. It is featured on the CCF Truman YouTube channel. Great. Um, but I have one last question for you. Okay. And I think that knowing you fairly well, I would say that you hold writing and preaching very close to you okay very close to your heart that's definitely true um what has been your favorite sermon either that you have given or that someone else has given and it doesn't have to be a staff person obviously but just a sermon that sticks with you or that you think about often or both okay your favorite sermon and someone else's my favorite sermon of mine and someone else's Mm -hmm. um i remember Okay, uh, just a, a few that run through my head. Uh, Sarah Mockestead, Smock's first sermon on uh, faith. Faith, yeah. That it was, was great. so good. It was great. It was really good. Um, Derek, a number of his sermons. Um, I remember one that he did on discerning and deciding uh, that I think was from Abraham way back in the day. Uh, I remember him doing another one on being out of our minds for Jesus. It's like a line from Paul where he talks about living in a way that seems insane to the world, but is actually like deeply in touch with the way things ought to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Derek's whole life, like Mm -hmm. seems insane to the world, but is deeply real. Um, I remember a sermon that Marty gave, uh, that I kind of ripped off actually when I went to (laughs) preach at camp, but I told him I was going to do that and he was cool with it, uh, at a, a campus minister's retreat. Um, about a prophecy from Isaiah and how it's tied to this story in Acts with Peter and shadows and rocks and stuff, and it was really great. Um, lots of great sermons there. Also, I would be very remiss if I didn't mention Frederick Beekner, who I don't know personally, but who is the master of Freddie all B. things. Freddie B. Um, so many amazing sermons. Um, he's got one called The Seeing Heart, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, uh, I hope to, I, my, my <laughs> aspiration in life is to one day write one sermon that gets anywhere near the greatness of that sermon. Um, of my own sermons, I don't know. This is a weirdly self-indulgent well, not, kind of question. Not like your favorite, but what is one that you're like the most proud of or felt like was like the closest to who you are? Mm. Recently got an email from somebody uh, who was writing about the Ecclesiastes sermon that I did a few years ago. Mm. It was called Crooked. Mm-hmm. And I that one. yeah, I mean, that one was very close to me yeah. and it was very intense. We talked about grief. Mm-hmm. Um, people had written things they were grieving on paper and passed mm-hmm. them in. And I was reading through them in the middle of the sermon. And at one point I 
threw them on the floor and like just trying to acknowledge that sentimental ideas about God working out everything for our good are just sometimes the really wrong things to say, you know? And this line about, you know, who can make straight what God has made crooked struck me as totally backwards. And also like those are the kinds of things in scripture that I love the most that seem like that doesn't fit what I thought it should be. And then you go deeper with it and it ends up being something that's really, really true. Right. Um, So probably that, I don't know that one, somebody had just written to me about it. I think that one is one that I would gladly like recommend to anybody. Uh, And then the other one about, what was it? Oh, the good Samaritan. I told the story Mm. about Briggs Mm. yelling at us for not helping the homeless man still brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. Um, But that was another, that was a, that was one that was really close to me. I so, concur. Yeah. Those are it. all great examples. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, I feel like I try I tried to pick questions that touch on different parts of who you are. And I feel like the listeners will have at least gained a little bit of insight about who you are, Reed. Thanks for being my moderator. Absolutely. This helped a lot. And again, if anybody has if there's a question that didn't get answered, um, get a hold of me. Uh, or if, if you want to ask a question now, you can also get a hold of me that way. And I would love to hang out, talk. For sure. Or if you have any follow up questions, things that he talks about that you would like to hear more about. What I'm saying is I just love talking about myself any chance (laughs) I get and I don't want to stop. Well, you know, weekly Wednesday podcast series (laughs) and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.